Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a special edition of Late Night Health. I'm Mark Allen. We're going to take a look at mental health issues, and we're going to take a look at a new book. It's called Anxiety Insights, and we're going to speak with the author. Watch how I butcher her name. Uh, Lori Manny Lentini. Close? Pretty close. Lori Manny Lentini. Lantini. Okay. Uh, and the name of the book, again, is Anxiety uh, Insights, What Gets to Us and What Gets Us Through, uh, and I'm going to assume gets us through life. Uh, let's talk about current events. Uh, we've got a pandemic, COVID-19. Uh, we have a lot of social unrest. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter. A lot of people are really upset with police departments. They're upset with life in general. The anxiety levels have got to have spiked. Am I right in that? That people are just anxious in general? That's that's what I'm hearing and experiencing. Uh, it, 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 from folks that I've talked with, you know, anxiety has always existed, and you know, one out of four of us have anxiety, so it's pretty common. But it seems like we've gone from 2019, where um, some people had anxiety. So quite honestly, it's almost like everyone has some form of anxiety now in, the, in this time. Um, there's just so much change and, you know, with change comes stress and, you know, people are having stress over a particular issue or, um, you know, really becoming obsessed with, with issues around COVID-19. People have been, you know, locked in their homes with their fears and, you know, isolated from friends. And even if you weren't experiencing issues before that, I'm talking with many people who are now. And, you know, I really, I think the key to that is to acknowledge it, understand it, accept it, and um, get treatment for it and find coping strategies that work for you. You yourself uh, suffer from anxiety. Have you suffered from that all your life? And is that how you got into helping others? It, it's really a combination. I, I think I have suffered from anxiety all of my life. My insight and awareness into that didn't evolve until um, probably about 10 years ago when I started to understand some of the symptoms and issues that I was experiencing were from anxiety or OCD, which often comes with it. I, you know, drive around the block three times to make sure the garage door was shut, go back in the house to make sure the curling iron was off, um, you know, little things like that. And um, 
then I really started to have anxiety centered around my children when they went away to college and I wasn't, couldn't see they were safe, couldn't see they were okay. So really started to kind of obsess about their safety, their, their health, their wellness, and uh, kind of blossomed there. And that's when I finally went and, um, you know, started seeing a counselor and started taking some, um, you know, some medication to kind of take the edge off a little so that I could work through all of that. But you've been working in a nonprofit. Oh, before I say that, we have to report that you have two very well-adjusted kids. One is a doc uh, psychiatrist and uh, the other one is going to become a counselor as well. Yes. I think that's I think that's terrific. You've been working in the mental health field for 28 plus years. Yep, 28 years. I work for a large large not-for-profit organization in um, upstate New York, and we um, have community clinics. We support folks with mental health issues, with developmental disabilities, foster care children. I've been in the in the field for quite a long time advocating. I know that your, your goal in life is to have acceptance for people who have mental illness. Why is it that in many ways, people who have mental conditions, depression, uh, the go, going beyond that, schizophrenia and, and, and other very serious conditions, why is it that the general population just doesn't seem to understand or accept them? I think it comes down to stigma. Uh, I think it's deep rooted um, as with any stigma. Uh, if, if you haven't been around people who see mental health as a normal issue, no different than heart disease or diabetes, and the only frame of reference you have for it is, you know, your family says, oh, don't, don't talk about that relative. And the only place you see mental health is in, um, you know, news reports on TV where terrible things happened or movies that don't depict it in a positive way. You formulate um, an impression that people with mental health look like that, are like that. And then um, from, from there, in order for you to admit to yourself that you have a mental health issue and you would benefit from treatment, you have to accept that stigma and you have to be able to say, I'm somebody that has a mental health issue. And that really um, makes it difficult for people. Um, some, of the, some of the pieces that I have read have said that um, takes an, on an average of up to six years for folks to seek treatment after they're aware that they need it because it's just such a negative component to it. And it's, it's really got to end. It, it, you know, people talk about every other type of illness they have openly around the water cooler freely almost you know looking for i don't know sympathy bragging about it whatever but you know if you have a depression and you can't get out of bed in the morning you know for some reason that makes you you know lazy or unfit or something like that and it really doesn't it's it takes a strength that if you don't have a mental illness that you really don't understand to actually get out of bed go to work and and function all all day. So it's really not a weakness. It's, it's a strength. It, it, to some people, it, it can be a chemical imbalance in the brain, right? Absolutely. Um, yes. and, and then most of us at one time or another feel super depressed. 
That's, is that natural? Is that normal? I think it is. I think that, you know, we're all human. We all have a range of emotions. And I don't think we should stop, try to stop having emotions. I think the important thing is to feel them and then um, to, to, to try to do things, find coping strategies that help you move on from that. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be sad. But if it starts to last, you know, from days to weeks to months, then that would be an indication that, you know, perhaps you need some additional support to um, move on from there. Has the overall thought processes about mental health really changed all that much from the medieval times when somebody was depressed or schizophrenic or having other mental issues were thrown into dungeons? Uh, has it changed from that? Well, I would say it wasn't even that long ago um, in my work um, with, with folks with um, developmental disabilities. It's only been maybe 15 years since the initiatives um, happened where we brought folks home from the psych centers and uh, put them in the community and homes. So the um, acceptance is very, very new of understanding that, you know, folks with mental health or developmental disabilities um, deserve to live a full life, pursue their dreams, do what they want. So I think, I think things are changing. I think they're changing slowly, but they're changing. I believe this generation is much more open. One of the things I found when I started writing the book was my story about my daughter and I, and I couldn't contain myself. So I was talking with everybody in my life about it. And just about everybody started saying, oh yeah, me too. Like people I actually know. And then they started to tell me their stories and they were so powerful that I included um, a number of their memoirs within my book because it's making a statement that, you know, it's such a common issue that people you know that you probably don't even realize are, are struggling that could use your support or you could get support from them are um, experiencing it also. And the millennials, they're much more apt to say, you know, hey, I just saw my psychiatrist, or yeah, I gotta go take my meds, or which is wonderful because that's, that's the way it should be. And I think once we all start talking about it, sharing our stories, that's how we're gonna normalize it, and it's just gonna become common. Uh, you wrote, co-wrote the book with your, your daughter, who's a, a practicing psychiatrist? Yes, she's a resident, yes, correct. A resident, okay. All right, the big money starts in a year. Oh, thank goodness, because boy, does she have student loans. <laughs> More anxiety. <laughs> uh, what was it like working with your daughter uh, on a book? It, it was great. I, we started the idea. We went for, um, I was in my mid-50s, and we met in, because she was living in Chicago already, and I'm in New York, and we met for my birthday in Vegas for a weekend, and we were um, having dinner. <laughs> we were having dinner and uh, talking. We we talked deeply. Um, you know, we're very close, and we were talking about just kind of goals in life. And there was a number of things in my life at that point, you know, right, you know, kind of midlife ish, that I really wanted to accomplish and change. And one of those things was I was the first time I told anyone that I wanted to write a book because I felt like, you know, I didn't have the ability to do that. How does one just start writing a book? 
and um, she agreed that that was a good idea and I should get started on that. And then as we continued to talk, we came up with the idea that we could collaborate on it. And that's what happened. Book was born in Vegas. Hey, what stays in Vegas goes out from Vegas, especially if it's a book, right? Uh, called Anxiety Insights, what gets to us and what gets us through. Something that might trigger your anxiety, I wouldn't affect me and vice versa. I mean, there could be little things. Dust bunnies can set some people off. I'm sorry, honey. Um, and, uh, but it doesn't bother somebody else. Uh, what kinds of things set people off or the too, too, too numerous to name? I think they're too numerous to name, but I think they're born out of a number of things. I think trauma has a lot to do with that. I think sometimes um, someone experiences something and they're in a certain place or they're with certain people or thinking something. And then the next time they're in that situation, they're, they're afraid, they're anxious. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's partly, I think some people are kind of born with anxiety, to be honest with you. And then life experiences can you know, trigger it or can, um, you know, make it more prominent for them. So, I mean, there's so many things I've talked with people that they're um, afraid of. I mean, anxiety is a fear of something in the future. So anything that could happen in the future, which is literally everything, could trigger a concern or a worry. Right. Uh, what about how you're raised? I mean, if you, you, you know, you have good parents, but let's face it, uh, you know, parents make mistakes, you know. Um, yeah, there are a lot of books on how to raise a kid. But frankly, folks, they, the kids don't come with instructions, right? I wish they did. It'd be, yeah, that'd be great. Here's your next book. <laughs> I don't okay. think I know enough on that topic. <laughs> no, but, but the, you know, does that affect, can that affect somebody and, and I guess it could be trauma, traumatic. You know, if you live with a, an overpowering parent who's always criticizing. And, you know, uh, we, we tend to mimic our, our parents so that if a parent's easygoing, you tend to be easygoing. If they're super critical, you can pick up that terrible, terrible trait. Yeah, I think I, th I think that is, um, as with most things in life, partially true, partially not. Okay. Because, um, you know, for example, with my children, um, you know, I mean, I think I was a good parent, but, you know, they have anxiety, they have depression, they have um, many, many issues. But I think there's always um, some supports and some things you can do better. So what, what I should have done better um, that I now know is that I thought the best way to help them with their anxiety was to protect them from every situation that invoked anxiety in them, but it's not. It's to support them to confront those things and still do those things so that the anxiety doesn't grow. So, um, you know- To help them go through that, otherwise whatever that process is. Avoid that, right? And one right. example with my daughter is she always needed to be close to us to feel safe. She didn't like to go to sleepovers at her friends' houses. And she knew that 
you know, wasn't exactly normal and wasn't fun. Um, but when it came time to go to college, she just decided, even though she was afraid to do it, she went to um, college in New Orleans, which was like 25 hours from home. And we had our struggles and you can read about that in the book, but, but she did it. So that, that's an example of, you know, not letting it, otherwise she would still be living, you know, at home. So. Got it. And she's, she's now, as we've, we've mentioned, she went through medical school then too. She did. She handled all that stress. Yep. Wow. And that's got to be stress inducing too. I hope she had more, I hope she had more uh, training in nutrition than most doctors get. Um, as, as we wrap up here, what is your message of hope? I mean, is there, is there hope for people who have mental disease? Absolutely. There's complete hope. It's, it's an illness like any other illness, and there's always hope in treatment. So um, I think there's a ton of hope. I, I, there's a lot of exciting things happening right now as the culture starts to change and the stigma starts to decrease then advocacy takes a role, people start to talk about it, which um, you know helps us to advocate for more funding. With more funding comes more research. There is so much going on right now um, in research for the brain and neurology and new treatments that it's a, it's a very exciting time. So you take the science that's moving ahead and you take the culture that's moving ahead and acceptance is moving ahead. I really do believe that um, stigma is going to be dramatically decreased around mental health or eliminated in my lifetime. And I really hope that that's true. And if it doesn't happen in mine, then I'll pass the torch to my kids and we'll keep going. And, and, and I think everybody can help with that because if we just all talk about it, we can help each other. I can learn from you. You can learn from me and we can just try new things and figure it out because everybody is different and what works for each person is completely different than what works for the next person. Absolutely. But isn't that, that's what makes the world exciting and to go around that we are individuals. We are unique. Our guest has been uh, Lori uh, Manny uh, Lentini and she is the author of Anxiety Insights along with uh, your daughter's a co-author, right? You want to yep. give her a plug? Yep, Nicole Lentini, absolutely. More coming up on Late Night Health. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.